Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Take the Reins, the podcast equestrians tune into to enhance their lives in and out of the arena. Thank you for spending your time with me. I have a great episode lined up for you today, so let's dive right in. To start, I'll share some excitement with you. If you already follow me on Instagram, you will likely know that pre-sales for my latest book, Riding Through It, launched last week, and to say I am blown away by the response would be an understatement. In collaboration with the 16 other authors in this book, we sold out our pre-sale books in less than 24 hours. That means we sold over 200 copies. It was an incredible day watching the excitement and reality hit for each writer. Without even reaching our readers yet, it is fair to say this book has already made a beautiful impact. Each author has had an opportunity to connect with their fellow writers and do something to reinforce their belief in themselves. Today is the start to you having the privilege to begin to get to know these amazing women and hear a bit of the story they share in our book. I know you will love them just as much as I do, so let's get right to it. All right, guys, we have a special guest here today. Today, we're speaking with Betsy Vonda. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you. So glad to be here. So Betsy is one of 17 co-authors on a collaborative book that we're working on and is coming out very soon. And so we're just going to do a little quick chat so that you can get to know Betsy, you know, why she's been a part of this project and what you can expect from her story, her chapter. So Betsy, to start, why don't you just share with me a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and then any horses that you currently have. Okay, yeah, so right now I currently live in Barrie, Ontario, so north of Toronto. Um, I work full-time actually as an education coordinator for the County of Simcoe, and then I train and compete and work with horses basically the entire time outside of work. So I currently have a six-coming seven-year-old off-the-track quarter horse mare. She is a chestnut mare with a white star, and she is chestnut mare through and through, but I love her to death. Um, so she is my current um, barrel racing horse. And then I also have my born and raised champion is retired with my sister out near Cornwall, Ontario. Wonderful. It's so funny because those of us who have ever owned a chestnut mare know exactly what you're talking about right now. Yeah, she is so sensitive <laughs> and very opinionated and all the things, but that's part of why I love her. She is gritty. I love that. All right. So at what age or point in your life would you have officially classified yourself as an equestrian, do you think? Honestly, I'd probably say 
very, very young because I have never known life without horses. Um, so I, I've always had horses and then I started competing when I was four. So local club show, but I did every discipline with my pony, right? So we had like the showmanship and the Western pleasure and then you put on all your English gear and, and did the command class and the hunter pack and then you ran the speed event. So I started competing when I was um, like in kindergarten basically. And I would say I haven't really quit other than a small, small break when I started my professional career as a paramedic. So yeah, I would say very young. And even at that time, I remember um, we had built a round pen because my mom was a huge fan of John Lyons. And I learned join up when I was about eight, seven or eight years old. So I've also, I've always kind of grown up with both, I don't wanna say both are like two perspectives, like the competitive perspective, but also the natural horsemanship and, you know, the more of a relationship building with a horse. So yeah, I would say very young, like from my childhood, for sure. I love the idea of having children in the round pen. I just think it's such an incredible opportunity for them to learn that at a young age. So, all right. Mm -hmm. So classified as an equestrian for, I would say, Basically your whole life. life. Your whole life. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Very fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> very fortunate for sure. All right. So how about you just share a brief description of your chapter? So my chapter, I didn't, I didn't have one specific event to write about. So I kind of wrote about the evolution of basically my life with horses, but all of the hard lessons I learned along the way and how horses kind of in a way directed me towards the career of paramedicine. But then now I've looped back and I'm working with horses who are struggling compared to a lot of patients I've worked with. So as much as horses led me to paramedicine and there was several things that happened throughout my life, now it's kind of come full circle. And by you know going off in that other world, I'm actually bringing things back to horses. And I know um, um, Chelsea, our, you know, who's helping with the book, she, she pointed out, like, I, I shared a lot of things. And at the time, I didn't really realize, I think, how much I was sharing about how I made some pretty significant, you know, errors and mistakes. Or, you know, I got tunnel vision at one point and just after I felt like a complete idiot. But in hindsight, again, it was a learning point. And if those hadn't happened, I wouldn't be the person I am today. So. I wanted to share kind of what I've gone through because that's how I learned too, is by listening to other people's stories and the lessons they learned. And I'm a very big person on like quotes and like key little pieces of information. And I tried to pass those on through the stories I shared in the chapter because they've just been so profound to my life. And there's definitely things that I'm like, oh, if I would have known that in high school, high school wouldn't have been so painful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's things that I just hope that reading it i know a lot of people will relate to a lot of the things i probably went through and and the path that kind of went down with horses but also if you didn't hopefully the little bit of life lessons or you know learning from my mistakes will also bring value in that chapter okay so that leads perfectly into my next question because i was just wondering what you hope the readers are left feeling after reading i guess your chapter but the book as a whole the book as a whole i think people will feel like whatever you went through like other people have gone through it too and by feeling that you know in a way a bit of inclusion or feeling like you were one who maybe experienced that or you know in a relatable way and a lot of the stories maybe they'll be about you know this one situation but i'm sure you'll see parallels and you'll be able to relate and and that's what i was really hoping is that i know some of the other authors had very you know more specific events that they were able to share about and i wanted to be you know, just authentic and like, this is my story and I don't just have this one thing. Horses have been 
there through all of it and have directed and kind of sailed my life, you know, to the place I'm going. And I think people will be able to relate to that 100%. You're going to laugh and you're going to cry. That's for sure. <laughs> you're going to laugh and you are going to cry. Yeah. Absolutely. I got a text yeah, today absolutely. from Nadine. She's reading it while at a cafe and she just texted oh. me and said, why did I decide to read this in public? In public? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking yeah. that too. I'm like, the first couple reads, yeah, I'm not going to be able to, for people, that is something that concerns. It's going to bring up a lot of feels, but I think that's so great about the book too, is it's so relatable. Like there's not a, there's not going to be a person in that reads the book that isn't going to relate with at least, I would say one, but probably more like four or five, six, if not all the chapters. Yeah. And I think it's so beautiful, right? It's the horses and we can all relate because we all have had some type of relationship with them. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so last question for you, Betsy. Mm -hmm. Why did you say yes to this writing project? It honestly, it terrified me. So mm -hmm. I also learned through horses and what you'll hear like in the book is that when I get a feeling of like, oh God, like that is kind of scary or intimidating or I can't imagine doing that. And it initially may feel very overwhelming. I've started to step into those things because I've learned that that is where your greatest growth comes from. Um, is when you feel that, you know, because that's your comfort zone. That's your comfort zone showing up and being like, oh no, we don't want to leave this. So when I felt that about the book, I was like, well, I better submit my application because there's the other prompt. And and sure enough, like at first it was like, oh my God, writing all those words and, and sharing your story with people, it's very intimidating. But then once I started doing it, I was so glad I did. And, and I knew, I knew that I would grow and that I can write, you know, not everyone, thinks about how do you write a chapter and then come through authentically and, and it be what you want it to be. And I think it was a really good practice because I always, I do want to write a book one day. And I guess this is also the first step if I can do mm -hmm. it. Well, when it comes time to write a book, it's just one chapter at a time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anyways, right? I know they go through waves, but yeah, it, it scared me. And I knew that that was an opportunity for growth. And that's why I stepped into it. And I'm so glad I did. I'm also so glad that you did. It's fantastic to be, to have you along for this ride. It's been, oh gosh, I feel like it's gone so fast the last few so months. Fast. So yes. we're really looking forward to everyone reading your chapter and I'm yeah, so grateful to have you here and to share your story with us. And uh, I can't wait till it's in our hands. I know, I was just thinking that. I can't wait to just, you know, sit in front of the fireplace and just read it, like mm -hmm. just, stories and be able to share it with so many people i've got so many people you know on instagram like now that we're starting to share the book launch like oh i see your name and i can't wait to read it and people from you know all over the world so it's super exciting and i know with us cumulatively our reach is mm -hmm. oh so fast so i'm excited as well to get this out to everyone me too all right well thank you for joining me betsy i really appreciate you You're taking so the welcome. time Hello everyone, we have another special guest with us here today and I just can't wait for you to hear from Montana. It's been a blessing getting to know her and she is one of our co-authors of Riding Through It. So welcome Montana. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and be a part of this. Well, I'm excited to have you. So to start, why don't you just share with us who you are, where you're from, and what horses you currently have. 
Sure. So as you said, Nikki, my name's Montana. I was born and raised on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. I currently live in a very small town called Matisco in Alberta. I, I'm here with my husband and our three-year-old sass pot of a daughter. And currently I have three horses of my own and my husband has one. Um, they're all barrel horses or hope to be barrel horses because that's that's kind of my genre so yeah that's me and my horses awesome so i have a sassy eight-year-old at home <laughs> and she started out as a sassy three-year-old so i don't mm. think it gets much better and <laughs> pretty sure I'm, it's gonna just continue down the line <laughs> I, I i feel like i'm arguing with a 16 year old most days and i'm like ah so i'm, mm. I'm worried that keep she keeps us on our toes so that's right she's keeping you yeah. young <laughs> yeah. oh that's awesome okay so I like this question because it kind of gives perspective into the different stories that are happening within this book so at what age or point in your life would you classify yourself as an equestrian so I was you know fortunate enough fortunate enough to be born into a horse family so I think as soon as I was plunked on a horse or that I would have considered myself a horse girl, you know, from a very young age. My parents both rodeoed in their younger days. They own a, an equestrian center still on the island. And my mom was slash somewhat still is a horse trainer. She's a little bit older now, but she's still like, that's what she was passionate about. And it kind of trickled down to me. Um, so. I guess my entire life and I'm very fortunate and grateful for that. Wonderful. And do you think your daughter's going to be following a similar path? I know it's early. I, I know my husband hopes otherwise. <laughs> she, yeah, she, I mean, we want her to do whatever she she's obviously passionate about, but she is pretty brave and pretty confident on a horse already. So, so I guess we'll see. Cool. I That's mean, exciting. I hope, obviously, but, but Awesome. All right. Well, let's just have a brief description of your chapter. It is so good and I can't wait for people to hear it, but just give us a little rundown. Okay. So my chapter kind of, I guess, gives a short overview of my childhood. So, you know, being born into a horse family, etc. And then it goes into, um, you know, my early teenage years, my parents went through a pretty dysfunctional divorce that because of the dynamic of our family and the equestrian center that I mentioned, um, you know, I guess it wasn't, I don't think there's a typical divorce, but it wasn't something that they could just both go, both go their separate ways from. So my story kind of weaves in and out of the drama that was our family throughout the years. And then, um, talks about really how one specific horse really kind of carried all that weight for me throughout the whole the whole ordeal um yeah he's very special and you know writing this actually made me realize you know I knew he had done a lot for me in in a competitive way but writing this story and telling this story oh, I'm getting emotional yeah. <laughs> definitely uh I, I guess made it a very clear picture about how much more he did do for me throughout throughout my time with him. So that's a short overview, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I love it because 
you know, I know it's emotional to speak about it now, but the emotion is just as clear when we're reading this book and reading the stories. I've read them now more than once and I still get choked up at the same parts in everyone's story. Um, and just the, the emotion that is attached to our horses, that's what drives so much in our lives, but it is also going to drive uh, the success of this book. So I love seeing the emotion uh, from you as you talk about them. Speaking of emotions, what do you hope the riders are left feeling after reading, riding through it? So I had read this question and it kind of took me a minute to really think about it. And I guess it sounds cliche, but I hope that people feel hopeful and inspired and I guess what I mean by that is I hope that when they're going through hard things or, you know, as we all do in life, I hope that they can realize that they don't have to be a product of their circumstance, that there's, there is lights at the end of the tunnel, again, as cliche as that may sound. And I hope inspired in a way when it comes down to it, just to be a kind person, because you, I, I feel as much as we like to think we can know what a person's going through, we will never be able to see things through their perspective. And again, you might know what they're going through. You might feel some kind of way or judgment towards them, but you'll never truly know what, what they're experiencing or what they're going through. And at the end of the day, I hope before you make judgments or just be kind to people, I hope people are inspired to be just a kind human being when it comes down to it. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I love that so much. And I do, I think it, I think that the stories are going to open people's eyes to just real life situations that everyone goes through uh, in and out of the horse world, but this added element of the horse world, because, you know, if we're being honest, there's a lot of judgment in the horse world. There is in every world, but especially when you're really in the depths of any sort of industry, you see those judgments and you hear those judgments and you feel them. And so this really allows for uh, some beautiful perspective. So I absolutely love that. And last question is why did you say yes to this writing project? I, I guess it kind of just popped up on my Instagram and I've always enjoyed writing. I've always journaled even as a younger kid and it was kind of like a therapeutic thing for me throughout, you know, my entire story that these people will, will be reading. And when I seen it, I think I've always wanted to try to kind of put pen to paper and write this out mainly for myself and I've never got further than you know, a paragraph or two before I've stepped away from it. And so it was kind of a way for me to challenge myself and push myself to do something that I've, I've always wanted to do, but, you know, never really made the time or, you know, either made the time or just couldn't bring myself to do. Honestly, I'm not sure which one, but mm -hmm. so it was kind of a challenge for myself. And I guess it was just the right time in the universe aligning to put you guys in my path and and I'm very, very grateful for that. So yeah, I guess a challenge to myself and a therapy, it definitely ended up being a therapeutic process. Like I said, all my other writing has been, but this was, it was challenging. It was exciting, um, little anxiety, you know, brought up different emotions up. But again, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to, to have done it and shared my story alongside all the other ladies who have. Well, we are grateful that you were a part of it and that you said yes to it. 
and that you shared your story so bravely because it isn't an easy thing to put our stories out there. And sometimes, like you said, it's not even easy when when you don't plan on publishing it for others to read. So uh, I really appreciate it and appreciate you. And thank you for spending your time with me. Yes, thank you for having me. It's a good little chat. <laughs> wow. Aren't those women amazing? Those brief interviews were great, but honestly, you have to read their full chapter to get the full impact of their story. If you have already purchased your copy during our presale, thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you're curious how to get your hands on one as soon as they are published for yourself or someone you love, do me a favor and send me a quick email to Nikki at nikkiporter.ca with writing through it in the subject line. I can add your email address to a list and you will be told as soon as it's available to purchase online. All right, so let's get into the rest of today's episode. I think it's time for us to come back to the original book that I began this season speaking about, staying true to my plans of keeping season three of Take the Reins about helping equestrians understand and work with their mind better. I think today is a good time to continue our discussion on mind management. If you haven't listened to earlier episodes this season, the book I'm referring to is called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Today, I want to read a bit to you from chapter three. As I read from this chapter, keep in mind the why behind learning about our minds as equestrians. So often we speak about the importance of having our horse's mind to get the best out of our time together, but it is equally, and I would even argue more important to have our own mind, one that is capable of relaxing, is focused and present while being open and receptive. Our connection with our horses depends on it, but so does our safety. If you personally struggle from any degree of anxiety, depression, or frustration, the five-step mind management process referred to in this book I'm about to read from could literally change yours and your horse's life. I know that sounds dramatic, but stick with me here. This is really impactful work. Here we go into chapter three of Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess by Dr. Caroline Leaf. I'm currently at the top of page 62 if you have the soft cover book. Empowerment is that missing link that gets you from point A, hearing or reading good advice, to point B, actually applying it in a meaningful and sustainable way. We can no longer ignore the rise of anxiety, depression, anger, frustration, toxic stress, and burnout in people of all ages in our society. We need to address it head-on. Stressors and changes in life situations trigger responses and changes in our biochemistry, brain function, and genetics, which not only affect our health, but can also be passed on through generations, which is known as epigenetics. And so, mind management is both a matter of how we want to live today and how we want our children to live in the future. As I mentioned in Chapter 1, many current medical health strategies, including pharmaceuticals and interventions with medical devices, have not helped us eradicate or even fully manage the devastating mental health conditions that plague our society. Nearly 800,000 people die by suicide in the world each year, which is roughly one death every 40 seconds. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in the world for those ages 15 to 24. 
unmanaged depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. Simple mind management tools for personal use to address such warning signals as anxiety, depression, toxic thinking, inability to concentrate, irritability, exhaustion, and burnout before they take over someone's mind and life could help innumerable persons of all ages experience improved mental and physical health and well-being. To that end, I have developed a simple five-step mind management process called the NeuroCycle, based on my research over the past 30 years and the latest brain science to help you manage your mind and overcome issues like depression, anxiety, and burnout, which can come from chronic, reoccurrent stress, acute sudden stress, trauma, identity issues, isolation, disrupted sleep patterns, lack of exercise, poor diet, and so on, as well as help you to build brain health and mental resilience. This five-step process is based on the science of thought, specifically how we form thoughts in our mind. It goes beyond self-help and mindfulness exercises, taking them to another level by extending them into a sustainable mind management strategy, the NeuroCycle. These steps were developed as a response to my patients' needs for a simple yet sustainable and effective way to manage their chronic and acute mental health issues, as well as to build their brain health and resilience. I prioritized making them simple, but still highly effective, because when you are already overwhelmed with a chronic mind, the last thing you want is a bunch of complex techniques. True personal transformation requires mind management to rewire and regenerate neuropathways and create new habits. Eventually, as we manage our thinking, the entire state of the brain, as well as the cellular and biochemical structures, shift and establish a new, healthy level of balance in the mind, body, and brain. Okay, so let's take a quick break here for a second because I want to just tune into why I have chosen this over the many, many different resources that we could choose from here. And honestly, it's the simplicity. So often, the work involved in improving ourselves or our horses can be made to seem so complex. But in order for it to be sustainable, it has to be simple for us. The other thing that I really like about this is not only does it teach us to rewire our own brains by changing our habitual thinking, it can help us appreciate the intelligence and adaptability of our horses when teaching them new ways of thinking and associating with us. Okay, so let's continue on with chapter three. I am now on the bottom of page 63 in Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Is the NeuroCycle a solution to cleaning up the mental mess? In our clinical trial, two groups of subjects were studied to find out if the updated NeuroCycle really is an effective solution to cleaning up the mental mess. The first group, called the experimental group, consisted of six subjects trained to use the NeuroCycle app, which incorporates the updated research and clinically applied five steps of the NeuroCycle method. The experimental group was asked to choose a specific toxic thought to work on overcoming during the clinical trial and to independently use the app daily for 63 days as a mind management tool to help them overcome and rewire a toxic thought or mindset that was disturbing their mental well-being. 
The second group of subjects, called the control group, was not given instructions to choose a toxic thought to work on and was not given the app to use during the course of the study. For all subjects, we studied their neuroscientific, psychological, neuropsychological, and cellular measures at day one before beginning the study, at day 21, and at day 63 of the trial. We then compared the results between the control and experimental groups on days 7, 14, and 42, and at six months, additional psychosocial measures were done, which included their narrative, the LEAF mind management scale, and the other psychological measures, but not blood work or QEEGs. The six-month mark was a follow-up to evaluate the sustainability of the results, that is, how effective mind management techniques are in the long run. The results were very exciting, and I'm thrilled to share them with you. I truly believe they can change your life for the better, because when you learn how powerful your mind is and how to manage it, there's no going back. Throughout our research trial, the experimental group saw significantly positive changes at a cellular level, which is based on changes in telomeres, the caps on chromosomes that determine the health of the cells, significantly positive changes in electrical activity in the brain, significantly positive changes in psychosocial profiling, and significantly positive changes in the blood tests. Our results also indicate that there were positive changes in the non-conscious mind, conscious mind, body, and whole person. This means that the subjects in the experimental group, by using the five steps in the app, significantly improve their mental health, brain health, blood physiology, and cellular health, and so can you. Empowerment is a missing link to cleaning up the mental mess. In this clinical trial, one of the psychological measures studied was the LEAF mind management scale. This tool measures factors such as self-regulation, awareness, sense of autonomy, number of toxic thoughts, and amount of toxic stress, perceived barriers, and felt degree of empowerment. The experimental group subjects, those who use the app daily, self-reported that they felt they were set on a pathway to empowerment through the study. As we examined the study results, we identified that this was achieved by increasing their autonomy and feeling of control. This research contributes to the larger body of research that shows how feeling more self-regulated and in control of life can lead to better mental health because you're no longer just a bystander, but now a first responder and decision maker in your life. Autonomy ultimately increased subjects' hope, and the five steps also increased their feelings of being more in control over life and health and less subject to uncertainty. This, in turn, led to increased awareness of and ability to deal with their toxic thoughts, which helped them control toxic stress and change their perspective about how they were looking at the world. They started seeing challenges and barriers as opportunities and had more overall life satisfaction. The neurocycle literally provided a pathway to empowerment. This pathway is critical to making the difficult changes needed to heal yourself mentally and physically. It increases resilience in the brain and mind and pain tolerance. Just think of a tough workout routine you've done in the past. 
What helped you complete it despite the mental and physical strain? Most likely, it was the motivating coach or partner who helped you feel capable of change. In this clinical trial, we saw that the mind management process scientifically increased the subject's sense of empowerment, therefore increasing their emotional and stress resilience. Empowerment is that missing link that gets you from point A, hearing or reading good advice, to point B, actually applying it in a meaningful and sustainable way. Now, I know that that got a little deep into the results of the research, but I do think it's really important for us to take the time to learn what we need to do in order to feel the best we can mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually heading into our interactions with our horses. I believe it's unfair for us to expect our horses to be flexible in their mind, to be focused, to trust, and to be able to relax when we ourselves are not willing to put in the work to learn how to do the same. Now, I am a believer in this five-step process, and I will continue to talk about it, what it is, and how you can make use of it as an equestrian or just as a person, but I also encourage you to start getting curious about it yourself. I want you to start assessing how do you feel about your ability to manage your own mind? Do you feel like you are able to self-regulate? Are you capable of achieving the things personally that you expect of your horse or are your days controlled by anxious thoughts, judgmental thoughts, depressive feelings, and general overwhelm? I hope we're on the same page here and that you can see the importance of this and if it hasn't quite hit you yet, I hope that as you continue, stick with me on the podcast and as we continue to dive into this subject that it just helps you become a believer and be able to do the work yourself. All right, to finish off for today, I want to introduce you to one more book, Zen Mind, Zen Horse by Alan J. Hamilton. This will be the next book that I'll be working with on the podcast. So if you don't already have it, it may be one that you add to your Christmas wish list for this year. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. I so appreciate you being here with me and I'll talk to you again next week on the Take the Reins podcast. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening, and we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.